Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel, joined by David McDonald. It is Sunday, 19th of February, 2023. This is episode 247. Uh, David, do you want to talk about sports at all, or are we just <laughs> going to go straight past that? <laughs> uh, Leafs look all right. They did all right. They took care of business uh, last night. I think they played this afternoon. Um, Eagles. <sighs> Boy, what a... Uh, it sucks, you know, it's just, it really does. It, it is so unbelievable how, like, it just affects the mood of everybody. Um, what are you going to do? We lost by three points. We were in the game the entire time. Our defense stunk. We couldn't stop them. Um, what are you going to do? You know, it was a toss up in Vegas. Um, we just came on the short side again, Joe, the city in championship games and championship series, right? We are since 1983. Philadelphia is two and like 20 or 22. <laughs> we always lose. The final. We never win the championships. You got two though. I mean, that's something. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah, since 1983. Since 1983. Um, of course, the Phillies and Eagles, um, Flyers is going to be a long fucking time. <laughs> I'm sure to see a cup. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, some some cities in this in the states, y'all have like Boston. Boston was always like they were like us in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, then they they've won so many championships between the football team, the baseball team. The fucking hockey team, the basketball team. It looks like they're going to win another one. It's just like, what the fuck? I mean, how can you? I mean, oh, another parade. Oh, okay. Um, and I know, I trust me, I already know, Joel. I know about your Arsenal situation here. I know about it. What do you know? I know what that 
that it's it was what was once a somewhat comfortable lead has um, nearly vanished. Am I correct? Well, it was looking grim after Wednesday night where we had a three-point lead going into that and a game in hand and then lost at home to Man City. So Man City overtook us on goal difference. So we still right. had the game in hand, but they were above us. However, okay. yesterday, yesterday, City drew 1-1 uh, to Nottingham Forest and we had just the craziest match uh, away to Aston Villa. It was put like a New Japan main event. And I don't know. Did you watch any of the? If you uh, what, nah, did you watch any of the World Cup final? The yes. France versus Argentina game. Yes, you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't I don't remember. know if you remember that. Uh, right, the, the Argentina goalkeeper Eddie yes. Martinez. I don't know if he made an impression on you, but an absolute shit house. He used to play for Arsenal. Came from our academy, so we're to blame for him. But he was just doing his usual, you know, mind games and shit throughout the match. Just time wasting like it's the Arsenal player just just brushed against his arm and he's like rolling around the floor in agony uh, they Villa took the lead twice and we pegged them back to 2-2 and then quite deep into stoppage time I think it was like the 94th minute uh, one of our players Jorginho has a shot from about 25 yards just arrows towards the top corner bounces off the crossbar mm-hmm. but away from the goal so everyone's like oh fuck but then it bounces off Emmy Martinez's head and then goes into the goal. Ah, so no. I just, I'm jumping up and down, just pissing myself laughing and we're winning again, which is great. And then Villa get a corner after that. And Emmy Martinez, in an attempt to make amends for that goal bouncing it off his head, it was classified as a known goal. He goes up for the corner. So he's thinking, I'm, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to score an equalizer, make it 3 3, save a point for Villa. Arsenal player heads it away. And so now there's two Arsenal players running towards the goal, Villa goal. There's no goalkeeper there. So our player's like literally running the ball into an empty net. So we ended up winning 4-2. Beautiful. So it was, it was great. And now we're, uh, yeah, two points clear back at the top again. And we've got a game in hand. So. All right. You never know. Never say never. No, I, 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 again, I believe, I believe this is it. This is your, you know, you're going to be dancing in the streets. Yeah. I mean, you, you're right there. You're not. You're not Philly. You're not Philadelphia. <laughs> you're not. No, I know you're upset about the Super Bowl, but being friends with you is like being given a precious treasure, and I know that I get to keep it for the rest of my life. Aww, that's very kind. I just read that off of a Hello Kitty calendar in front of me, but I thought it might cheer you up anyway. So it did. It was very nice. It was hard. Well, there you go. I had a terrible <laughs> week. Uh, I'm not going to get into too many specifics of it, but oh boy, what a horrible, horrible week. Uh, so maybe, uh, brighter skies are ahead. Um, I know that I did the old radio tease, but I just don't feel like, you know, kind of getting into it. Um, nothing bad, nothing terrible, but just, well, yeah, I did say it was terrible. It was, it's terrible. <laughs> why am I dancing around it? Uh, cause I, cause I don't want to talk about why am I having a conversation with myself? I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of conversations. Do you want, do you want me to probe further or change the subject? i change the subject. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay, Stuart says, uh, best and worst New Japan wrestlers to babysit your kids, Joel. Obviously, you don't have kids of your own, but uh, you can certainly join in this show. I would say absolutely the best would be Hiroki Goto, who, by all accounts, you know, from the, the stuff I see on Instagram, just a, uh, an, an amazing dad. The guy sort of, I, he, he's my hero as far as dad role model goes. So I try to emulate him, the way he takes care of his, his family and his kids. Great guy. Uh, worst, probably, I don't know, Kanemaru. I can imagine him just like getting out the bottom of Santori pretty early on and offering the kids a swig. Yeah. Daddy's drunk again. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Uh. Um, who would be my go-to dad? It would I, I be think any of the the members of uh, Just Four Guys would be terrible babies. Yeah, they might be not good either. Yeah, um, I would go to go with Yuji Nagata with my my dad. Uh, I I, uh, I always remember back to his match. What was it New Beginning against uh, Shinsuke? Uh, in the video package where he had his wife and his kid. And, ah, it was a fantastic. Seems like a great dad. Um, and he wakes up every day motivated. I love it. I love it. Um, worst? How about ELP? <laughs> he might be a terrible, terrible father. Teaching his kids bad habits. Uh, like he's going to be, tr- he's going to try to be like the cool dad. Like cool dad, you know, go skateboarding with his kid. Ugh. Um, yeah, I would say I, I'd go that route. That's my pick. Yeah, that's fair. Um, speaking of dad, Damon, have you been following the latest news over at All Japan Pro Wrestling? I actually have. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, who was it? It's Nagata and uh, who was it? What did I hear? Uh, Kenta Miyahara. Am I right? Yeah, so if anyone wants to avoid All Japan spoilers, then skip ahead. But the the big news coming out of the All Japan Excite Series card was that uh, Blue Justice himself, Yuji Nagata, has defeated Kento Miyahara to become the Triple Crown Champion. He's the first man to ever hold all three of IWGP, GHC, and PWF Triple Crown belts and win all three of the G1 Global League and Champions Carnival. That's a fucking resume right there. That is a resume. Holy shit. Uh, is he in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he's got to be. I mean, I know that there's conversations that we had about how the sort of era of Enochism sort of kneecapped him and prevented mm-hmm. him perhaps from becoming as big a star as he maybe should have done. But even that to one side, I think that the resume speaks for itself personally. But I mean, I how do you think, if, if you're an All Japan fan, how would you feel about Yuji Nagata rolling in and taking the top belt from the ace of your company. It's ballsy. I mean, when you when, desperate times call for desperate measures, um, at least they had the fucking balls to do it. Um, it got us talking about it. That's for sure. Um, and I'm sure many other people who probably don't sniff it all Japan anymore. You know, it, at least it peaks an in interest and kind of, People are going to want to watch that match, I, I guarantee. I, I bet it, a lot of people didn't even know about this match. People listening to this show didn't even know about this match. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I mean, if I were an All Japan fan and then that, that happened, if I'm being a thousand percent honest, um, I probably it would eat at me a little bit. No doubt. I'm sure it would. But, you know, if I looked at it objectively, well, if I looked at it objectively, I've got like a, f- how old? 50 plus year old as my champion. To be my, uh, yeah, I, I see your point. Well, not that you had a point in either way, but yeah, I could see where people could get upset with that. I think it's a good thing. 
I think it's going to allow people to maybe hop on board a little bit more. And then obviously he's going to drop it and, you know, all that. But it might be a good thing. Just try and keep an open mind with that. Yeah, also I thought it was notable from this is that Shingo Takagi had a pretty good singles match from what I hear with uh, Yuma Anzai, who is a very highly touted prospect. So there's been some whisperings that Nagata was quite keen on bringing him over to the New Japan Dojo system. So I don't know if they're still working on that. But uh, yeah, maybe, you know, not for nothing, having a big singles match against Shingo. Want, want to keep an eye on that. Yeah. How about all this working relationship stuff? I mean, there's always been that little bit. I mean, I remember Kojima, you know, spending time there. I remember... Uh, well, she was just... Uh, well, yeah, it was Yuji Naga, the tag team champion. So... I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm glad that, that, I'm glad people aren't too proud to beg. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm glad that they're saying, okay, you know, we, we might explore options with New Japan. I think it's good. Hopefully more. Yeah. yeah I mean, you've said it before that the rising tide raises all ships. Um, yeah, I think, uh, as we've discussed before, the, Smaller promotions in Japan are probably seeing the value of uh, doing business together and basically using it as a, uh, a launching point to get progress off its knees after the uh, all the, the tribulations of the COVID era. So, yeah, I mean, you look no further than this junior festival where it seems like every one of their fucking mothers being called up for that one. Have you received an invite yet? David? I have I not. Know. I've not gotten that email. Also, I'm not qualifying as a junior heavyweight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would be, I would be the Trent Beretta of juniors. And uh, I don't mean tall. Let's put it that way. I'd be the King Kong Bundy. I'd be the Stan Hansen of juniors. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. So, of course, we have Battle in the Valley to discuss. We also have the Noah Kejimuto Grand Final Pro Wrestling Last Love Holdouts that's taking place uh, early this week. Uh, Fantastic Amania, looking forward to that. And New Japan Cup brackets are out too. So let's crack on and go straight into Battle in the Valley, which took place on Saturday, February 18th in San Jose, California, the San Jose Civic Center. We cannot discuss uh, a New Japan of America pay-per-view event without talking about production issues. Mm-hmm. So the English YouTube stream for the pre-show never even started. The Japan stream had the crowd mic'd up so badly. There was just terrible clipping. You could actually barely hear what was going on in the ring as well. The fight stream had no audio whatsoever for half the show by the sound of things. And eventually the audio did get going. And then it just felt like the crowd were in a different room to the mic. They were very, very faint. Just absolute clown shit. It was embarrassing. And you think of how many new viewers there were checking out New Japan Pro Wrestling for the first time. And they can't even get a functioning stream where you can hear what is going on in the ring. And look, we can do the usual forensic stuff of trying to figure out what the problem is. You know, is it is it the staff's fault? They sent over the regular Japanese crew this time. Was it the provider, the the cable, the pay-per-view provider? Look, Fight TV, they could put on a perfectly competent stream with any low-level promotion in the States. So I don't think it's their fault. And look, I've just got no time for this anymore. This You've got to say it, it. This is an absolute failure of management for allowing this to happen every single time. Every time. This is just humiliating. It is, isn't it? It's absolute fucking uh, just... 
it's embarrassing and it's frustrating and it's you just look Mickey Mouse and I mean look I it's it's the problem is that it's every fucking time every fucking time every time Fight TV gets involved there's always a problem and I don't care I don't care where the blame lies I just like you said it could be the venue it could be uh the 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 local crew it could be the fucking satellite truck that they I don't know I don't care fix it not no please please someone have some fucking accountability and fix it like Everybody's looking at everybody else and like, oh, oh, oh. If it's the same issue every fucking time, somebody's got to lose their job. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is not a one-time event. This is not a one-time thing. I I don't think I've ever sat here and said, you know, somebody's got to get fucking fired. I've never said that. I'm saying it now. I don't want anybody to lose their job. I'm saying it now. Because this is not a, oh, one time we fucking missed. Oh, two times. Well, we'll learn from that. This is every goddamn time and not for nothing. I'll I'll be a not for nothing guy. Not for nothing. It's not like you didn't know about these. Every time we have to do it, they have to go through and and fucking post something on Twitter. Okay, we're going to offer refunds every time. Like New Japan has to be like, what the fuck is going on? Oh my God. I had a stream that was just like a fucking glitch art screen for I don't know how long. And Cheryl was like, What do you, what's going on? I was like, Well, the show is supposed to start at 10. <laughs> it's 10 45. 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Can you imagine them being 45 minutes late for a show at Corkin? <laughs> not happening I just don't understand it but please get rid of whoever is at fault I'm begging because if it's the same person like if you haven't made any moves since the last time which was again probably broke fans patience there you wear just oh, it just looks so fucking Mickey Mouse. I didn't have I didn't have a, a any any commentary. I can't tell you how Ian uh, Riccoboni did. I can't tell you. I didn't hear. You know what? I didn't hear. I didn't hear fucking um, Jay White. I didn't hear any of that. I didn't hear uh, David Finley. I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> I think I think that might have been important to the context of the show to hear that interview. Nah, nah. I saw lips moving. I I mean I could guess kinda. Nah. Unbelievable. Oh, it's just so fucking embarrassing. All right, that's that. It seems like it's every time we we talk. I, about I was, the, the one advantage of this, the, the advantage of it is that you can just order it from Fight. You know, pay the money and then ask for a refund because you can guarantee yeah, you're gonna it's going it. to be free every time if they keep fucking up. You just yeah. You just get your money back after this. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know what? Every time it's on fight, everyone should just get it because even if it, you know, even if it fucking stinks, you know, you'll, you'll get your money back. Sure. Um, and then there was one guy, this 
old, you know, you could tell he's in the fucking union. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> on his last days, just kind of, uh, and he's on his cell phone. He was right near the ramp. And whoever decided to put two fucking lamps, lights, literally at the base of the ramp. I can't tell you how many times I got knocked over during the fucking opening match where everyone's diving and they need and they need room. <laughs> and, and the guy's running over and putting it back up and putting it just taking the fucking thing down. Oh, I just find it amazing. Boobs. Ugh, just absolute boobs. All right. I, I, enough. Everybody knows. I mean, if you don't know by now, Fight TV blows. And if you if you decide to get a New Japan product on that fucking horseshit channel, then, you know, know that you'll be writing an email shortly and asking for a refund or credits so you can watch another thing to not work. Uh, rinse and repeat. I was going to ask what you thought of the commentary. I don't know if you heard any of it. No. I mean, I love Ian Riccoboni, but a uh, good Lord Drama King, mate, he doesn't have to talk a lot. Yeah. Does he? Does he? Does he never shuts up. <laughs> it's too much. Let it breathe, right? I, you know, let yeah. Let breathe. Yeah, that is a, 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 I think, underrated skill. And I think one of the things that Kevin Kelly and Chris John don't get enough praise for, I mean, the, the Carla Commentary guy, I mean, that would be Chris Jones' role. They absolutely should not be talking more than the, the play-by-play announcer. Yeah. And especially when the play-by-play announcer is someone of the quality of Ian Riccoboni, I think, yeah, they need to work on that for sure. Yeah, maybe build a little bit chemistry. No, you know, yeah, know when to fold, when to pull back, when to get in. Yeah. And that takes time, I guess. I don't know how, how often those two work together, but... I didn't hear a peep of it, though. Didn't hear a single fucking word. Nope. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about these uh, kickoff matches that you watched in complete silence. I switched over to Japanese for this. So there we go to Alex Coglin defeating Jao Kratos. 10 minutes, 7 seconds by Deadlift German. Um, I, I think this raises a larger issue of why are we not seeing the LA Dojo guys regularly? And maybe uh, Carl Fredericks or, or Eddie Thorpe, to give him his NXT name, maybe he was right. I mean, we saw the Alex Coglin Challenge Series, what was that, two years ago? And that ended with Alex Coglin beating J.R. Kratos. And here he is, two years later, beating J.R. Kratos again. Look, we know what Alex can do. We know he can deadlift Kratos, and it looks very nice, and it gets a cool pop. But can we, can we please do something else with him now? Yeah. I didn't see this match. Because it was unstreamable. <laughs> Can't review it. But I would agree with your point. Yeah. Can we do something? Um, that's my concern is that with strong being the way it is now, like I I think a lot of people are gonna be pushed by the wayside. I don't and I don't mean pushed by the wayside, I mean just kinda there. You know, with really nothing to do. I hope that's not the case. And I know that, you know, we're taking what was strong and we're just slicing and dicing it up to make it, you know, you know, different, not a weekly show, just content. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be a big, that's going to be a big fear of mine in the sense that, you know, strong was a, a really nice tool to get to know people, to get to learn about them, to who's good, who isn't good, who's got a chance, who's doesn't. I don't know if if that's the future. You know, I don't know. 
Okay, uh, I mean, I, I definitely share your concerns. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys who I think are going to be sweating now, thinking, you know, shit, when am I you know, next going to get a chance to wrestle in front of a, a proper audience? But uh, yeah, we'll wait and see how that plays out. The other kickoff match was David Finley defeating Bobby Fish in 10 minutes, 6 seconds with Trash Panda. Um, no, I really love Bobby Fish's tag work. I'm not sure there's a huge amount of upside in him as a singles wrestler. Um, if he is interested in working long-term, then it wouldn't hurt to stick him in one of the factions, make a new tag team, but it's not something I'll be losing sleep over. I mean, the match was fine. And your classic New Japan trope of having a guy on the undercard who get a win and then come back later for a big angle. So we'll discuss David Finley later because I think that needs to be talked about within the context of the Jay White match. But um, yeah, Bobby Fish, I, I can take or leave at this point. I really liked them, um, Red Dragon, when they were together. They were one of my favorite junior tag teams of all time. Um, I, I don't know if you know this. I kind of popped into the Discord just uh, because I was actually working on something else. Uh, popped into the Discord, and I complained about Fight TV, of course. Uh, and then um, I saw people commenting on Bobby Fish. Uh, and they were saying he was a little, uh, looked a little, little, little paunchy, little, uh, little thick. Uh, can you confirm? Uh, yeah, he was, he was looking a bit big. I mean, I'm not one to body shame, but. I'm ashamed. I'm just saying, you know, I'm big. He, he I'm did, fat. He, yeah, he, he did not look his usual lean self. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. A couple, couple, listen, a couple beers and a couple cheeseburgers. Pfft, you're fucked. But he's got a good one. He'll, he'll bounce back then. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking about his weight, but that's the only thing I know of the match because, again, it was not available to me on my stream from Fight TV. All right. Well, let's move on to the main card then. So the first match was an eight-man tag match where we had Volador Jr., Kushida, DKC, and Kevin Knight defeating Rocky Romero, Josh Alexander, Mascara Dorada, and Adrian Quest. So Kevin Knight got the pin over Adrian Quest in 11 minutes, 22 seconds with a spike DDT. So we had a little preview here for the March 30th Multiverse United event with Impact and New Japan. So there we're going to see Will Ospreay against Mike Bailey, Jeff Cobb versus Moose, and the preview we got for this upcoming match, Josh Alexander versus Kushida, which I think is going to be really good based on what we saw here. And I do hope Kushida leans more into the grumpy veteran side of him than the plucky baby face, because I think that could be a really good match. I admire greatly the confidence of Kevin Knight. He's got that crowd connection that's very hard to teach. He carries himself like a star. That uh, Spike DDT was sold like absolute death by Adrian Quest, so good job by him. And yeah, look, please take note. Kevin Knight picked up the win here, not for nothing, as we saw later in the show. Why are you saying not for nothing a lot? I like it. It's a good phrase. (laughs) I I, I, I never noticed it. You You said it at least eight times. You making fun of me? No, it's, it's a good phrase. It's good it because is a good I phrase. That I started to, to pick up some of your uh, right. your your mannerisms. I know, I know. So, you think it's what yeah. it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so we saw Volador and Rocky Romero continue their feud here from CMLL. So we'll touch on that later with our Fantastic Mania preview. But I do really enjoy heel shitbag Rocky. Something we haven't seen for a long time in New Japan, at least. And we forget he's really good at it. I think Rocky's versatility is underrated. Uh, the Dorada and Volador exchanges were also a lot of fun. I mean, I heard rumors of visa issues that may have prevented Dorada from making it to Japan. I hope that gets sorted because he's still a really great wrestler to watch. Uh, DKC, he's got new gear. He's no longer a young lion, so 
he's actually leading some seminars at the newly launched NJPW Academy at the LA Dojo with Bateman. So this match was a nice little smorgasbord of various stars, past and present and future, and the various pies that New Japan fingers are in. And uh, I've always got a soft spot for these strong multi-man tags. I thought this was a ton of fun, and it yeah. wet my appetite for all that fun coming up across the wrestling landscape. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a good opener. I mean, it was actually. I thought. I thought it was one of those perfect openers where you had just enough craziness and you know spontaneity where everybody's you know battling each other, and yet they you know they find a way to pair off with the guys that they're working with in the future. Um, I'll tell you what. One thing I did notice was I do like uh, the Josh Alexander and Kushida match, and I and the idea of like. I was actually thinking, like, wouldn't it have been great if he, if, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know if you remember Lanza talking about Kushida coming back and how they, you know, wanted him to be a little bit more of a uh, MMA style or something like that. And I was like, well, I, I, I wonder what would have happened if they definitely leaned into that, you know, because I feel like that's, that's an underrated aspect to Kushida's game. I think it'd be really cool if, if, if he leaned into that a little bit more and less of the, I don't know, time splitter kind of thing. Yeah, he had a really good match last year. I can't remember. I think it was with Alex Shelley where they, they lean into that a lot. And that was tremendous fun. So, yeah, I expect we will see more of that when he does wrestle Josh Alexander at uh, Multiverse United on March 30th. So, yeah, good match, fun match. Okay, second match was for the strong openweight title. So the challenger Kenta defeated the champion Fred Rosser on his eighth defense in 16 minutes, 31 seconds via go to sleep. So Kenta is your new strong openweight champion. Um, I like this match a lot. I really like the sense of escalation. And we started off Kenta antagonizing Rosser with the face wipes, a little brawl on the outside, had some surprisingly nasty elbows and forearms. I mean, for the most part, this felt like a an ugly brawl, but in a good way. And I think... You know, actually, when I think about it, stylistically, Fred Ross's wrestling has a, a fair bit in common with modern day Kenter, at least, where a lot of it is based on uh, emotion and, and striking rather than anything particularly flashy or ambitious. And, and yeah, this was quite a slow, deliberate match, as expected. But I felt the crowd were into it. I thought it was paced well. Everything looked like it hurt. And I mean, actually, probably one of the, the better matches of Fred Ross's reign. And, and to be honest, maybe one of Kenter's better singles matches in recent yeah. history as well. Yeah. Um, I, this was just two grumpy veterans beating each other up. I, I liked it. I mean, I didn't love the ref bump and the, the Juice Robinson interference. I mean, come on, look. It's Fred Rosser. He can eat a clean loss here to Kenton. We can set up Rosser versus Juice. If that's what we're doing, we can set that up some other way if we need to. But still, putting that finish to one side, I like that this match got plenty of time. And that hasn't always been true of the strong title defenses. And I'm interested to see uh, what Kenton's reign looks like because I think it could be a really good spot for him to mix it up with all the talent stateside in these kind of hard-hitting matches. Yeah, you can go back to Florida, spend some time there, right? <laughs> back at home. A beautiful beach house. Uh, I liked this match a lot. I really did. I liked I thought I liked the idea of Kenta beating the shit at, at times on, on Rosser. And then he would be in the corner uh, and he would just wag his finger like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> and then he, Kenta would do it again. <laughs> But, and this is like Esther, does it? <laughs> she does that with me. <laughs> right. Right. I was just like, all right, this, that ain't working, Fred. You might want to, you might want to change your fucking uh, plan here. And then, like in the beginning of the match where, uh, you know, he was taking those boots to the face and, uh, 
he looked like he got a little pissed off a little bit. And then he hops out of the ring and then they start swinging away at each other. I was like, all right, here we go. Um, I was surprised to see Juice, um, who has, you know, kind of fallen off the, the side of a cliff, it felt like. Uh, and, you know. We just say Juice Robinson, who says he's not working for New Japan or Bullet Club anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like Juice, but I don't know. It, it, it doesn't feel to me like it's a an important thing in his life. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's got other things going on. Um, that being said, I don't have any problem with the interference. I have no problem. It, it was, it was, was it coins that he had? Cause the camera work was not that great. I didn't really see what he hit him with. It was his brass knucks or whatever it was. Um, I thought Fred did an excellent job. I thought he did an excellent job. Again, the finish was screwy. Yes. The ref bumps were horrific. Uh, but I think overall, man, they, I mean, look, he took a lot of fucking shit that I'm like, okay, good for you. Good for you, dude. You're a better man than me because <laughs> I ain't sitting there eating those kicks in the face. Uh, and he ate them and he took them and he gave them back. I thought he did good. I liked the match a lot. Uh, next match was the strong openweight tag team championships with the champions, Mode City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabian successfully defending their third defense against the challengers West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaac. So Chris Sabian pinned Jarrell Nelson after nine minutes, 21 seconds following the dirt bomb. And most city machine guns retain the strong openweight tag team championships. I really love West Coast Wrecking Crew. I love the gear. I love the aesthetics, the swagger, the synergy, the tag moves. They just, they look and feel like a proper tag team. And that means a lot to me. You can't always say that about teams in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I like Motor City Machine Guns as well. I was a big fan of their work over the last decade or so. But they don't feel like a New Japan team. And and I get the value of having a prestigious, high-quality team like them holding the belts and then pass the torch to, you know, maybe like an up-and-coming young team. But West Coast Wrecking Crew should have been that team. Yeah, They might be in the future, who knows? But can any strong perverts out there name a better tag team for that spot? There isn't anyone else. There aren't any other established teams on the brand. And look, we know what Motor City Machine Guns can do, but can we please have the New Japan Strong Tag Titles on a New Japan Strong Tag Team? Let's give West Coast Wrecking Crew a runner's chance and, and see what they can do because they deserve it. They're really good. I don't know. Am I out to lunch here, No, because uh, I, I left this match thinking, okay, what now? <laughs> right? Like I thought that would be a perfect time to drop the tag straps, give it to them have them have a little run with it because to me, you're right. I, I, I that's th- those are almost the exact feelings that I had in the sense that, you know, motor city, I don't know. They're not, I, I, I don't associate them with anything new Japan yet. They're the tag champs. Um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a, I'm a thousand percent with you. I thought, I thought that was a, a, a weird move to say the least. A weird move. And and I thought the match was was good. Uh it wasn't great. It was good. It was a very solid match. Let's put it that way. Uh but I think they missed the boat here. Our fourth match was Eddie Kingston defeating Jay White in 90 minutes 7 seconds with a Northern Lights bomb. So Jay White must leave New Japan Pro Wrestling and 
Yes, I mean, David, I feel like I've been more generous than most people with this little Jay White Swan song thing that we're doing. And I was full of praise for the Hikoleo match. And look, this match was also very good. He let Eddie Kingston beat the crap out of him. It had some great moments. The, the German suplex where Eddie landed right on his head and was staggering around. That was really great. However, it is a weird choice for a final opponent for Jay White in New Japan. And I like Eddie Kingston well enough. I can see why other people love him. I, I do think he was really great in this match. Just little things, the way you rolled out of the ring to let the J-moment sink in at the end of the match. But I'm not sure what New Japan gains from Eddie Kingston getting this win to, to kick J-Y out of the company. I'm sceptical. I mean, Eddie Kingston, he's 41. He doesn't work for New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's right. not one of their contracted performers. So explain that one to me, someone else. This doesn't make sense. And, and look, more to the point, by the time Friday rolled around and we got the news coming from Observer, I think it was, that the... We had this loser leaves New Japan pro wrestling stipulation and Jay's adding a little caveat saying that if he wins, he's going to let Eddie come back if he begs him. And part of me is thinking, oh, hang on a second, you know, maybe this is a way for Jay to finally start the baby face. Turn. And then the sensible time side of my brain was like, shut up, Joel. We've had enough of this nonsense. So at that point, I emotionally checked out. I mean, I got what I wanted from the Hikoleo match and I wasn't prepared to do the mental gymnastics fantasy booking a guy who's realistically probably quitting the company life's too short for that and look very good match well done to both wrestlers but i'm ready to move on from jay white yeah and it looks like that's probably the smart move to do it's it's look it it feels like it 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 is the end because leaving this match jay white was not only did he get the uh, loss, right? In a match that he, it felt like helped, you know, establish Eddie Kingston as this ass kicker. You know, why? I don't know. Again, I don't know how that benefits New Japan. Um, aside from random New Japan's, you know, American house shows. You know, would anybody associate New Japan Pro Wrestling with with Eddie Kingston? Um, so right, yeah, no, I'm gonna throw this out here. Eddie Kingston in the G1, yes or no? No, no. But uh, do I want it or do I think it's going to happen? Uh, do you want it? That'd be interesting. Like I like Eddie Kingston. I, I like I like his style. I like his I like his or lack of style. I like his straightforwardness. <laughs> the promos. <laughs> promos are really good. Right, promos are great. I mean he's, he's he's tough as fucking nails. And again, he's he's a northeast indie guy that I've watched for years making it making it big. I, I'm happy for him. I'm thrilled for him. And he's taking the ball and he's fucking run with it. He's not a New Japan pro wrestler. <laughs> I, I, don't just, I just, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, would I mind him in there? No, I would not mind him in there, but I can't see. I just don't see that happening. But, you know, if you look at it, he fucking is the guy who beat Jay White to, you know, in a stipulation match that says, you're out of New Japan pro wrestling. But Jay White not only lost, Put over Eddie Kingston. One, two, three. 
and 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 solidified Eddie Kingston, he turned babyface in the ring. He literally turned babyface in the ring. Uh, the way that he went out, he went out with kickouts and fighting and giving it everything he had, and the fans ate it up. He turned babyface in the fucking ring, and then even more so. Now we got over an angle that you know was apparently years in the making um and away we go with chapter whatever it is of bullet club spanner says best way to cope when your favorite wrestler gets kicked out of the company asking for a bald friend what would you say to all the jay white fans who are feeling very sad right now um i get it because it's kind of like your favorite player getting traded you know, you know, it's like, do I follow him? Do I follow the team? What do, what do I do? Do I have to watch, you know, fucking Winnipeg Jets games or something? You know, um, I get it. It sucks. Um, but if you're a fan of his, depending upon where he goes, I don't think much changes with Jay White. It's not like Jay worked this dangerous style that wherever he goes, they're going to tone him down. He's got a great gimmick. He's got a great look. He's 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 charisma personified, as maybe Gorilla Monsoon might say. Uh, he's 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 going to be fine. It's honestly, are you willing to fucking take the ride with him? AEW might not be a bad pick, but if it's WWE, uh, I mean, you know, let's put it this way. I don't even know Shinsuke Nakamura is alive. And quite frankly, he was probably one of my favorite wrestlers. Well, you know, Kushida the same. So if he falls into that WWE sandpit, who knows? Who knows? Would he be more of a star? Yes, of course. Just by him being there, he instantly turns into a bigger star. Uh, but it's, you know, can you stomach him there is <laughs> really the, the issue. And you know what? Here's the thing, too. It doesn't mean he's going to, like, jump back. He, he could sit on that fucking farm, I'm sure, with his beautiful partner, uh, tending to the sheep, tending to the the uh, crops, looking at the beautiful, going out. I bet you he kayaks. He looks like a guy who kayaks a lot, right? He has his kayaking gear, right? He looks like that kind of guy. He looks like a guy who likes to camp, likes to go out and and eat berries and fish, right? Outdoorsy. <sighs> He'll be fine. He'll be fine. You'll be fine, too. So this was followed by David Finley attacking Jay White, just as Jay White was about to speak on the microphone. And it actually reminded me a lot of Kushida's goodbye match in 2019. You're expecting a big goodbye. And then Jay White actually, funny enough, ran in and stole all the heat for that. And they did the exact same thing here with David Finley. And I think that was very smart. Now, I would have actually preferred David Finley to be the guy, you know, pinning Jay White in the wrestling match for New Japan Pro Wrestling to get us here. But regardless, I thought they did a good job 
transferring that heat to Finley by, you know, not letting Jay cut the big emotional goodbye promo. And I guess you didn't hear it, Damon, but Finley cut a really good promo himself. And I suspect a lot of what he said was rooted in reality, which is, you know, that's where the best promos come from. You know, his real life frustration and envy towards Jay getting all the big spots in the company. And David Finley's promos have been steadily improving over the last three years. I think his in-ring work has improved. He's had quality matches last year against the likes of Juice Robinson and Will Ospreay. So, I heartily approve of the push, if there is one incoming. The promo got terrific heat from the crowd, and I thought Finley did a really fine job of letting it breathe. He, he looked like he was fully in control and comfortable out there, which is exciting. I, I'm looking with great interest at his quarter of the New Japan Cup brackets, and it's quite a turnaround from that weird match he had with Jay White 18 months ago in the US, where you know everyone thought Finley was leaving after that interview he did, and the crowd was shitting on him. So, you know, good for him clawing his way back to relevance. I think he made the most of the situation. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, he had a, he has a lot of energy coming out of that, right? He has a lot of like people are, are raising their eyes and saying, okay, this, this might be cool because he, like, he did not shit the bed, uh, in what might be one of the more important angles in his career. Uh, he, he, he fit the role. Let's put it that way. Um, once again, though, I will say that the hardest thing to do in pro wrestling is to promote within. Like if people have a fucking vision of a pro wrestler for years and now we're turning, we're flicking the switch to now make him a, let's be honest here, this sounds like a, a, a solid, solid, solid move to put him toward the top of the card. Are people going to buy it? That's the hard part. Um, he passed. He passed his first test. Definitely. I mean, I didn't hear the fucking promo, but it, everything you know sounded pretty. You know, or at least looked pretty good. And from what I hear, <laughs> facial expressions were on point. <laughs> yes, yes. And the middle fingers, I saw that those two. Uh, but from what I hear from everybody, that he he knocked it out of the park. So, how you feel? I mean, you you're you're good with this. You're okay with this. Is this? And and I'm sure there's plenty of questions of. Does this mean he's the new leader of Bullet Club and blah blah blah? Uh, mm. What say you, Joel? What say you? Yeah. Ben says, uh, will it be Finley's moment or will we continue to build up Osprey? Tell Damon, at least he has a ring. My team blew a 28-3 lead and hasn't sniffed that stage since. Um, so will it be Finley's moment? I, again, I think the acid test is going to be this New Japan Cup because we've seen him go deep in the New Japan Cup before. He made it to the, it the semifinals a couple of years ago, I want to say. So uh, that, I think, was a, a bit of a coming out party for him and he failed to capitalize on that so I think it's really important he does it now I'll be interested to see if he's landing anywhere in terms of a faction I I would be rolling my eyes if he does end up with Bullet Club I'd rather he didn't because I just I kind of like him as this sort of pissed off loner who's just <laughs> angry at everyone and doesn't want to join with anyone so we'll see how that one goes but yeah I'm expecting uh, a fairly deep run in this uh, New Japan Cup I mean just looking at his side of the brackets now I'm not going to start doing predictions, but he's got Ishii up first. Winner of that will face Great Okan, and the winner of that will face whoever comes out of the Shota Umino Yudro Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, eighth of their bracket. So 
yeah, some pretty big names in there for Finley. But uh, yeah, Finley versus Ishii, I think that's definitely one I'm circling in my calendar on March the sixth to see uh, what do we what do we have with this David Finley push? Is it is it indeed a push? And yeah, let's see where we go with that. How do you feel knowing that? Okay, let's just assume it is. Let's just go with this route. That's the last time Jay White steps foot in a New Japan ring. How would you grade his departure from New Japan and the possibilities of what could have been? Uh, a pretty miserable C. Yeah. I like the fact that he put over two guys, three guys, in fact, uh, on the way out. I mean, Hikaleo, I think, is the most important one. Um the David Finley turn is was, I don't know. I hope it's, it leads to something a little bit more interesting than the fact that he, you know, he's an angry guy and he beat somebody on a, on, on his way out. And that's that, you know, there's no other further connection with it. I don't know. I, I, again, I do think that a lot of the ideas we just came off of the top of our fucking heads were a thousand times better than what we got. Again, I like the fact that he, did what he did on the way out. If it is in fact him going out, um, which again, every, every sign points to it. I don't know why I have it in my head that, Oh no, this is all, this is all the part of the master plan. And I don't know why I'm still fucking hanging on to that thread of hope, but it does seem like this is it. Ah, this could have been so much better, but once again, New Japan, <laughs> you don't know what you got till it's gone. That's Cinderella. I can't do the scratchy voice, though. Ah, I feel good. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. All right, where else we got? All right, so we had a filthy rules fight with uh, no DQs where Tom Lawler defeated Homicide in 60 minutes, 27 seconds by a referee stoppage following a rear naked choke. Uh, I don't really care for hardcore matches. I'm not sure if someone at New Japan thinks that all of the big US shows need one, but they don't interest me. Neither does Homicide. I like Tom Lawler a lot, but the stipulation and the opponent, I mean, this match did nothing for me. I respect the work rate and the effort. Some of the spots were suitably violent, but I don't know, this just didn't feel like New Japan pro wrestling at all. No, it really didn't. And look, I, I've, I've seen Homicide a trillion times. Uh, again, another... East Coast guy. Um, Ring of Honor, Indies. Yeah, awesome. And he's very good. And, 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 and his stuff in Ring of Honor was, you know, fucking really, really good. Um, if you were just parachuting in for Monet or parachuting in for whatever, Seeing Jay White, uh, there no one would have a clue of why Homicide is even there, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like are New Japan fans in Japan like like I, I, I who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of the hardcore fans, you know, they they recognize the name and know, but like again, what what exactly does this have to do with New Japan Pro Wrestling? Why why are we doing this? Just again, it just feels it again. Here's what it feels like. This is what it feels like. 
it feels like this is a company that is cheaping out and getting guys that are in the States to come to these shows because, I don't know, we'll give you a couple. We'll give you, we'll pay the flight for a handful of people, but we're not, we're not sending everybody. And they're, and they're, and they're coming out on the cheap. You know, that's really what it yes. feels like. Yeah. And uh, doing favors for old buddies as well. I wouldn't be surprised if that's there as well. Like what, what benefit to new, again, this is a new Japan pro wrestling podcast in case you haven't figured that out yet. Uh, and my spin and my thought process is almost always going to be, okay, how did that help or how did that hurt New Japan Pro Wrestling? Because that's what this is. How did it help? How did it hurt? Why is Homicide here? How does it help New Japan Pro Wrestling that Homicide is here? Now, it doesn't necessarily hurt only in the sense that you got a huge roster. You got a lot of guys that, that could have filled that spot, but you didn't want to. Makes no fucking sense. And that's, again, I hate to say it, would, you know, I say, would WWE do it? And probably not. Would like, would WWE, if they did a tour of Japan, and again, we're talking about you know, the money difference is massive, but okay, just hear me up. Just stay with me here. Would WWE, if they toured Japan, would they use like independent, would they use guys from like fucking 666 or Basara or Freedoms or, uh, I don't know, even DDT? Would they do that? Like if the rules were reversed? Would AEW do that? Now, they have used like Nick Gage and uh, even Eddie Kingston at the time, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, he got a job out of it. So maybe they're a little bit more of a different situation. But it just seems so fucking Bush League. I don't know. Sorry for my rant, but. I'm with you. That's a, it's a, it's it's a problem. All the, like you said, all the other young, hungry, up-and-comers up and that this spot could have gone to. Yeah. I mean, again, New Japan has a fucking huge roster. You mean to tell me there's not anybody else that would easily slide into this spot going against a guy who might be the most recognized name in Strong? Gay Kid. Where, where the fuck was Gay Kid? <laughs> Let's start there. You know? Like again, there's a there's a there's a there's a plethora, but and again, I'm not knocking homicide. Trust me, I'm not. I like him, but why? Why is he in this spot? I don't get it. And and uh, that's again another thing where I think this whole New Japan and America thing is that's that's where I think a lot of people get turned off with it because it's, it's not. It doesn't feel like a New Japan product. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. All right. There. Thank you. I got it off my chest. 
Next, we had the 50-minute time limit NJPW World Television Championship, where the champion, Zack Sabre Jr., got in his second defence against the challenger, Clark Connors, in 40 minutes, 6 seconds with an arm breaker. So Zack Sabre Jr. retains the New Japan World TV Championship. And I'm a fan of this title conceptually, but the 50-minute time limit shouldn't be a flashing blue light saying it's going to finish somewhere between 14 minutes and 14 minutes and 59 seconds. Mm, right. like, it's okay to finish it at 11 minutes or, yeah. or eight minutes. Oh, fuck it. Go three minutes. Keep us on our toes. And look, maybe it's a bit early for this. They are getting a little bit formulaic where you get 10 minutes of feeling out and then a crazy final four minutes or so. And in some of the matches, that's worked because of the quality and the work rate of that final few minutes, like the Ishii match. But this one never quite got to that level. Like, there was nothing wrong with it, but I was expecting more from Clark here. It ended up being a good match, but pretty forgettable one. Yeah. It felt like it was long enough for them to not, you know, it was, it wasn't long enough for them to be able to do everything that they could do. So there's plenty of stuff left on the table. And the, the 15 minutes where you're supposed to feel that, that 15 minute rush. Um, and again, we're trying to get a pinfall at any time. That didn't happen either. So we were kind of stuck in the middle of, uh, all right, you know, if this were 30 minutes, this might be great. But in, if this were 10, but no, you're, you're right. It's 14, whatever, and change. Um, yeah, and that's that's going to get old pretty quick. I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, they have to. That, like the idea of that 15 minutes is that, is that it could end in three minutes, is that it can end in 10 minutes. It doesn't always have to be like that. So again, this this belt is relatively new. It's it's new. Um, let's not fall into the trap of fifteen minutes. I I'm with you a thousand percent. Uh, Kevin Knight came out as the next challenger. I'm very keen on this. You know, I've been singing Kevin Knight's praises for the last three years, and this is going to be the biggest match of his career to date. And I expect him to make the most of it. I don't think he's going to win. I mean, we don't know when the match is, but I do like this storyline of Zack Sabre Jr. wanting to go through all of the LA Dojo guys, because that's what this title was supposed to be for, for, for the young, hungry challengers. Yeah, and uh, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if a guy that you've been praising for three years is the guy who loses in three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Zach's I like, was listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't, be careful what you wish for. Alright, where uh, where, where we go, here we go, we got the uh, women's next match, right? Yeah, double main event one. Yes. 60-minute limit, IWGP Women's Championship. The challenger, Mercedes Monet, defeating the champion, Kairi, in a second defense. 26 minutes, 47 seconds with the Monet maker. So Mercedes Monet is the new IWGP Women's Champion. And look, shitty crowd micing aside, you could tell as soon as she walked out, the entrance, everything, this wrestler's treated like an absolute megastar. The yep. crowd absolutely bought into her as this, you know, this game changer. And look, they had a lot of things stacked against them here. A lot of people were, I think, waiting for this to bomb. Maybe because of the Wrestle Kingdom cameo, which, you know, I thought was a pretty dark parameter for predicting success or, or lack thereof. But that being said, there were some question marks here. You know, it was Mercedes' first match for nearly a year. She's debuting a new character in an in-ring sense, as well as an out-of-the-ring one. And she's also trying to work a brand new style where you have a lot more freedom than the, the, the generic WWE house style. So expectations were high going into this with a lot that could have gone wrong. I thought they knocked out the park, David. Me I too. Mean, 
a lot of people eating crow on this. This is great. I I enjoyed all of this. I mean, the tributes to Hannah Kimura with the ring gear, the, the Eddie Guerrero spots. I like the character work. The grappling was tidy and crisp. The striking was on point. There were some really nasty looking spots, both in and out of the ring. Some very creative counters, you know, especially the insane elbow into the feet. Like you could tell a lot of thought and effort had gone into this one. And, you know, a touch of sloppiness, but that's always been the case, you know, even with the Sasha Banks work. And I think that kind of works for me. I like the sort of uh, reckless uh, little edge of danger to it. And look, for all I talked about having a lot of new variables to deal with, both of these wrestlers know how to put on a, a bloody good main event match. I thought they meshed a, a really nice mix of that uh, US style with some some of the stardom style. And you know, they landed the moneymaker finisher cleanly too. She looked a bit wonky at the Tokyo Dome, but they, they got it off here and it looked great. I had a blast watching this. I mean, give me more of this from the IWGP Women's Championship. Less of a six-minute token throwaway crap. And, and look, this is what we're going to get from Mercedes. That's, uh, if you excuse the pun, money well spent. You know, let's let's let her have an uh, an Okada run with that belt. Let's let her hold it for a year or two years. Let's get singles matches. Let's get tag matches. Let's get some mixed tag matches. Let's let's go wild. You know, I'm totally sold on this. I thought it was a terrific match. There's a great YouTube video of uh, Mercedes' visit to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. Like she, she's a massive weeb like the rest of us. I don't think she's just here to make a quick buck. This is a spot that means a lot to her, and she's really working her socks off to make it a success, which. You know, you can't say that for everybody who's gone from WWE to New Japan, and, and you've got to respect that. This is someone who's betting on herself. She can be her own person and not just eat the shit that Vince McMahon dishes out. And I thought this was a, a tremendous match. This is a prime example of a person who knows she's good, knows she has talent, has the charisma, ha- is uh, a person who can draw a house because make no mistake about it. She drew whatever that house was. She was a main cog in that wheel. Uh, and the fans, I mean, pop of the pop of the night. Like it was, you know, you could see there were a lot of people sitting on their hands for a lot of this show. I'm going to say that this crowd was weird. In the sense that, like, at least from my vantage point from my TV and the the 750,000 crowd shots that they would show, uh, it didn't look like this was a raucous pro wrestling crowd, for sure. When she came out, things changed. Things changed. Uh, I, I, the match, let's, the match, match was outstanding. Outstanding match. Great. Uh, they worked their fucking asses off. What did they go? Like almost 30 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, awesome. Love it. Gave them plenty of time. Gave them all gave, gave them what they needed. And there's a big difference between giving them what they need and the people in the ring. Again, once again, taking the ball and running with it and making it happen. Not only did she draw the house, she had the house in the palm of her hands and delivered in it, you know, delivered tenfold. Uh, I hope, Joel, that she is around for a decent amount of time because and again, if, if don't fuck this up, <laughs> but they have right now 
in their possession a star. And they could really use that. <laughs> now, again, sometimes it's, it's, it's almost like 75, 25, maybe even uh, a little bit more swayed toward uh, them dropping the ball. But they have a fucking gold mine here. They have to acknowledge that. And they have to capitalize on that. I'm begging them. Um, because... You only get these opportunities <laughs> every so often. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they make the most of this. Um, working in Japan is not for everyone, right? Those tours can be grueling. The travel can be grueling. She's into it. Like this, this, you could tell she's into this. She, she wants to be there. This is not Carl Anderson. Uh, let's let's work together to make this work for a little bit of time. And I know there are going to be people knocking on her door with the fucking bags and bags of money. It's coming. I'm sure WWE is just pounding on her door. I wouldn't be surprised if AEW is doing the same. Let's let's New Japan. Let's dig deep in our pockets. Think of the long term. This is they got they gotta hang on. They gotta hang on to her because like you'll have that. <laughs> She's a money draw. Monet draw. That just should be her name. Monet draw. Yeah, yeah. Agree with all of that. And, and look, it's not even like we need her to be going on fucking, you know, tours of road to destruction. Just give us, you know, four or five big matches in a year. You just don't need to get her on the buses and do the, you know, the house show loops in the Hamamatsu or whatever. Just, you know, more of this. Yep. And this is proof of concept. Hopefully, if they stick to this formula, it's going to work great because, yeah, this was a, a really great start. Um, let's move on then to the double main event two, which was the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship with Kazuchika Okada, his second defense against Hiroshi Tanahashi. 21 minutes, 8 seconds via Rainmaker. Now, uh, Chris Samsa, friend of the show, compiled a tremendous piece on Voices of Wrestling detailing the Okada Tanahashi series, along with snippets of reviews, links to articles, including one that I wrote about their amazing match at Dontaku in 2018. And as much as I love these two, and I think this was the right match for this spot, they delivered, they sent the fans home happy. I do feel it's a match with diminishing returns at this point. I don't think this was as good as the Dallas match if we're judging it against their their other US outing. And look, unfortunately, the bar is so high that, you know, rightly or wrongly, people are always going to be comparing matches they have with some of the, you know, the absolute best wrestling matches of the last decade. So, you know, maybe I need to disassociate myself from that mindset because this was a really good match, you know, perfectly good main event. It was close. It was competitive for large parts. But, you know, at the end of the day, 2023 Hiroshi Tanahashi should not be uh, a match for 2023 Kazuchika Okada. And that's how it played out. You know, he had his moments, but it was a, a pretty decisive win for the champion. So I can't really complain about the match, you know, more or less delivered on my expectations, but it is going to slot in fairly low in their pantheon of classics. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's, that's a fair assessment. Um, being that, you know, to many, myself included, I would put their feud, their trilogy plus how many, five more, well, who knows, um, matches. It's, um, 
Yeah. I mean, I, look, it's 2023. And in pro wrestling years, that's 50 years ago <laughs> when they were when they were headlining the dome. Uh, you know, knees and hips and biceps and pectoral muscles and everything else that everyone you know, knows both those guys have been through. Um, you know, they still, when that music hits, they come out there and they, and they put on a really solid match. You're right. It's going to be down the, the bottom of their series. That being said, the bottom of their series is really better than a lot of pro wrestling that's out there, right? It's better than a lot of pro wrestling out there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if we're being brutally honest, um, yeah, I don't think it sniffs the greatness of, say, you know, those main events at the domes. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't think anybody – I think people went into it with a little bit of nostalgia, a little bit of, oh, I can't believe they're, they're doing this here. You know, they're, 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 I'm getting to see this here. Um, I love Hiroshi Tanahashi. I, I really do. He's one of my favorite pro wrestlers of all time. And I think having him in the conversation of one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time is, you know, simple. Um, and if you wanted to make the argument of greatest of all time, period, I think, you know, I think intelligently you can have that conversation. We, you know, I've been saying it for years, like, you know, how beat up he is and how he's held together by duct tape and how all, you know, all the things for years. And, you know, every year he delivers and here he delivered too. But, but you're one of the greatest of all time. You are a legend, a first ballot hall of famer, a, uh, what you did for the company is amazing. I'm begging Hiroshi Tanahashi. I'm begging him. Begging. I don't want to see him become a guy who is living off his name. And he's not there yet. Please don't get me wrong. But but that day is coming sooner than later. I just... And it's pro wrestling. I get it. <laughs> you know, I mean, like me wishing that would be kind of naive, knowing the history of pro wrestling and how guys, you know, perform at a quarter of what they were in the past. Um, and I don't want him to tarnish his legacy. I get it. It's hard to step away. It's hard to do all that. And again, they're, they're, the company itself, you, you know, it's he's you know, kind of being filtered down and filtered down and filtered down, um, being put in protective spots and so forth. I, I kind of don't want Hiroshi Tanahashi put in this spot anymore because just physically that's near impossible, right? Yet he goes out there and, and feels that he needs to do this. Um, and sometimes pro wrestlers can be incredibly stupid. Incredibly stupid. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I, I guess my point is this: what we saw was a very good match uh, between two guys who had 
arguably the greatest feud in pro wrestling history. Um, and I hope that this is the last one because I don't want to see it get watered down. Yes, I I think we can probably draw a line under Okada Tanashi. If this is the last one, I'd be happy not seeing it again because we've had plenty of great ones over the years. And look, I mean, Tanahashi did say that if Keiji Muto continues wrestling till he's 60, then he's going to go until he's 61 right. or something to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> what a worker. Um, there was a good post-match angle here where Okada cut, I thought it was a pretty good speech in English. I did have a chuckle when he said he and Tanahashi should go after the tag titles held by his, lest we forget, Chaos teammates, Goto and Yoshihashi. I'd love to see how that went down in the Chaos group chat. Uh, Matty says, why was everyone worried about the Bullet Club Civil War? And the Chaos Civil War was the one we always needed. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty good. I think we had uh, Okada, he was posing alongside Mercedes afterwards, which, you know, very simple, but very smart booking to give you that visual of your two IWGP champs on par, you know, the king and queen of their respective divisions. So I applaud that, you know, and, and I like the idea of them teaming up to make it raining money. I thought it was a great moment. Really good show overall. And if this is what we're getting from Strong going forward, then, you know, overall it's a thumbs up from me just to, you know, tidy up the who we're putting on the cards and sort the fucking production out. Yep, I agree. A thousand percent. I, I Definitely a thumbs up. And I thought that closing image is fantastic. Um, yes, smart move, absolutely. And again, what you did was in in not so many words is, remind people why they were there um and their and what they have in front of them two v- huge stars um and let's see if we can build off that let's let's see if we can build off that Mike says, have the last couple of shows in retrospect felt a bit flat after they finished? I feel like we've been directed towards there being some sort of big angle, but it just hasn't come. Look, listen, Mike, Krusty's still coming. He's just coming later, okay? <laughs> Be patient for Money Club or just four guys and one girl or the Money Don't Kneel or Stray Snoop Dogg Army or Team Filthy Rich with Money or Great Sash Heel or Snoop Zuki Good. <laughs> I, I feel this is well, probably... <laughs> We've been workshopping those all afternoon, David. Uh, look, it's in our nature as uh, Shinohan Freaks to fantasy book groundbreaking angles for <laughs> every single match on a nine-match card. That is what we do. But please don't ruin the fun by actually expecting any of it to happen. I feel I feel partly responsible, Mike, for your disappointment at the end of that. I, I, I'll try and stop doing it. But it's quite fun saying, hey, maybe after this match, look at the booking at this, look at the placement, look at the, the match order. This guy's wrestling before this one. You know, maybe that means that so-and-so is going to come out and this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Right. I don't know. I, I find that quite fun, even though I know none of it's going to happen. But that's what, you know what, you could do that with every sport, you know? Um, you can do, you know, baseball. Oh, but what if they move this guy into the third batting, you know, protect this guy and blah, 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 blah. And then we can use this left arm or, you know, in this situation. people do it in everything. So, I mean, that's just what we do because, I mean, this is a physical storyline based, you know, pseudo sport. <laughs> you know, um, that's, it, it, it lends itself to it perfectly. Um, that's that's kind of the fun of it. Why do you think people play fantasy sports? Um, it's it's what we do, and a lot of times though, it's it's frustrating because you you feel that you know why don't they just do this? It's right in front of them, and you know there's here's the thing, and for what I know of this this wacky business, 
coming up with ideas isn't the hard part. That's not the hard part. The hard part is getting wrestlers to agree to said <laughs> said direction and ideas and and having it work out and injuries playing a factor and and uh, uh, egos playing a factor and there's a ton of shit that goes into it. The ideas that's the easy part. It's getting it in action and getting parties to agree and all. It's not like. <laughs> Look, pro wrestlers are still independent contractors to a certain degree, and they're in it for themselves. So when they look and they say, trust me, they know when they lose. They know when they don't look as strong as they want to be. Like getting getting the buy-in is is the hardest fucking part. Um Yeah, so no, I mean I agree with you, dude. It's it's <sighs> I just hope they capitalize. This was a good show, and I hope they just move on with this. OC Steve says, who will be the new Bullet Club leader? Daryl says, with Jamie leaving, let's play some gimmick musical chairs. Who will be the next leader of Bullet Club? Or better yet, who could or should be our next knife pervert? Who does Ghetto Hitch is wagon on to next? Uh, I'm, I'm taking a break from predicting Bullet Club leaders for a while, so I'm not touching this one. Well, I mean, it's just the the, it's, the problem is, is that everything we, we, that, you know, we, we've been talking about for the past five minutes, it's you come up with these fucking scenarios in your head and Nine times out of ten, it doesn't come to pass. And, you know, listen, I, I think at this point, I think it would be prudent of us. If we hear something, of course, we'll pass it along. But honestly, I haven't heard dick all. And I think it's just going to unfortunately fizzle out. I mean, let's let's think of it that way. Let's say it fizzles out. And then if something great happens, we'll all be surprised. And it'll be like Christmas morning. How about that? Yes, I think that's very sensible. But I mean, look, that's this part of the uh, Bullet Club law of recent years is that there is no payoff to all the big <laughs> acts that they've been building up. So that is why, great. why disappoint us now? Why change the habits of a lifetime? Okay. Well, that was a uh, battle in the valley. Let's touch on some of the other stuff. So we have coming up this Tuesday on 21st of February, Noah Kejimuto Grand Final Pro Wrestling Last Love Holdout on pay per view. In Tokyo Dome in Japan. This is, you know, technically a pro wrestler Noah card. So we're not going to do a, a very deep in, in depth preview of this, but just looking at the top of the card, the top three matches, we got Amakusa versus Hiromi Takahashi. It was a guy who really impressed me during uh, the Noah New Japan crossover show. So I think that's going to be really good. Definitely one uh, worth keeping an eye out. Kazuchi Okada versus Kato Kiyomiya Ooh. as our co-main event. So this is going to be. Okay. Tremendous. I'm really yeah. looking forward to this one. <laughs> but the the build for this has been fantastic. I mean, Okada did... I, I say he did more for Kato than Muto did in, in two years. But Okada, you know, apart from getting kicked in the head and just talking a lot of shit, it's not as if he's given Kato uh, a, a huge amount of... You know, he's not going you know, to let Kato do anything particularly uh, dominating over him. But... Uh, I mean, conventional wisdom suggests that it will be more interesting if Kato wins this one, but I just, I cannot see it happening. I, I, I hope it's going to be a really good match, but I can't look past an Okada win. And, uh, neither, neither can I. I, I really can't, but, um, look, they, they have, 
this when they announced that, I was like, wow, this show is turning into something special. Um, this match is going to roll. I just think this match is going to be so fucking fun to watch. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Okada uh, do a little uh, ambush the ring on a Noah show? Yes, he did. Yes. Yep. Yes. That's great. Awesome. Love it. Um, yeah, I can't see a title change. I, I I just don't. And I don't think anybody can. Uh, it's not a title match. It's just a singles oh, match. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. It's, no titles are on the line. Well, no titles on the line. You still can't say it? No, I just... No, I think New Japan probably feel like they're doing Noah a favor just by lending them <laughs> Hiromu and Okada and Naito for these big singles matches. <sighs> they had any guts, they would. <laughs> you know, look, we said this before the Wrestle Kingdom show, didn't we? Saying that, oh, you know, it would make sense for... Keno to beat Naito didn't happen. Yeah. It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. Yeah, you're right. But, but, it, but, okay, let's fantasy book. If he, if he did, then now we're setting up title matches. Now we're setting up, you know, the main eventing other buildings. I'm telling you, they, he, he, he should lose. It would be so good. It would be so interesting. Like, what's the benefit of having him win? Yay, he won. Okay, he lost. Now people are talking. Now people are fucking, who's, what? Huh? What? And you have, oh, I don't know. Again, but this is where, this is where egos, This again, coming up with the ideas, easy. Huh? You can see the money. You no, know, a mile away. It's the problem is the politics and the and the and the egos and the and all that that get in the way of making money. And our main event is Keiji Muto in allegedly his <laughs> final match uh, against Tetsuya Naito. Uh, interestingly, they have met before at the Tokyo Dome. This is back in 2012 at Wrestle Kingdom Six. Um, that has been uploaded to New Japan World with commentary from Kevin Kelly and Chris Chance. So I would recommend watching that before you watch this event on Tuesday so you can you know, have the backstory to it. Um, how are we feeling about this, Damon? I mean, I dare I say a little bit scared <laughs> for this match. I'm not expecting it to be any kind of classic. I'm just hoping that they both get through it okay, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there were reports that he was, he being Kenjimoto, was... Um, really banged up after um, these final matches, <laughs> you know, the, his final tour. Um, to the yeah, point I'll, I'll take that with a, a healthy pinch of salt, though. I'm sure that's just him, you know, laying in the, the crowd really? for <laughs> multiple reasons. You know, he's, he's the ultimate worker. So. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's Kevin Nash coming down in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I mean, he is one of the greatest pro wrestlers um, as well. But he is one guy who has overstayed, I feel. Um, this, this, this retirement thing should have happened a long time ago. Um, and again, who's to say it's legit in that in 
you know, a year, there's a few that he's got to take care of himself. Yeah, even Naito said that. It was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be his actual retirement match. That's like his fucking opponent, the guy's supposed to be sending him out. Right, right, right. Even he's skeptical. Uh, he's like, all right, I'll, I'll go along with it. But oh. um, so, again, stranger things have happened in pro wrestling. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be epic. I, I think I, I'll tell you what. That fucking that that entrance is going to be. They, they probably been been planning that entrance for for several months now. The ideas and the and the madness that will be going on before he even hits the fucking ring. Uh, look, I think this is a must see if you're a fan of pro wrestling, especially coming out of Japan. This is probably one thing that you need to go out of your way to see. I would think, um, and I think it will be great. I really do. And I'm sure there'll be smoke and mirrors. I'm sure there'll be things to, to, I don't, I can't imagine this going a Tokyo Dome main event length. Can't imagine it. And I think one of the big reasons of having, uh, Okada, uh, you know, but, you know, having that match at the dome is, you know, you're going to get your, that's going to feel like the main event, you know, um, where, Muda's match is going to be more of the the spectacle, the sh- you know the um, but then watch him come out there and just fucking be loaded up with drugs and just be like fucking I'm going I'm going out in flames, coked <laughs> <laughs> off his head, <laughs> <laughs> fucking what's up? <laughs> right, right. Uh, who knows? It's pro wrestling again. Stranger things have happened, but I think this is a must watch show. Um, for if you're even if you're just a New Japan fan, you, I, I feel like you owe it to yourself to watch this because I think it's going to be great. All right. Uh, lastly, I will touch on Fantastic Mania. So I've got some notes here, very kindly provided from uh, Gig from our Discord, who is our resident CMLL watcher. So I'm just reading his notes here. So Battle of the, in the Valley, Rocky and Volador will go back and forth about hair because the next major CMLL show has them in a four way hair match. So it's uh, tribute to two legends this year, honoring Irma Gonzalez and every year honoring CMLL founder Salvador Lutaroff. So that'll be on iPay-Per-View March the 17th or YouTube on April the 2nd. So there's some quick notes on terminology. This is quite interesting. I didn't know a lot of this stuff before. So a lot of these matches for Fantastic Mania are labeled Revelos Incredible, which means one or both teams has an odd man out. So either a Technico with two Rudos or two Rudos with Technico. So a Rudo is a heel and a Technico is a baby face. So Titan has won a three welterweight titles, which he's defending at the first Coracoin, the CMLL World Welterweight title. Rocky has the historic NWA World Welterweight title, and Soberano has the Mexican national one, which he'll be carrying on the tour. So during Fantastic Mania, we are having an interfaction tag team tournament, which uh, Gig says was set up, clearly set up without knowing CMLL's booking or something, because Los Guerrero Lagoneros is now a trio without Atlantis Jr., who got booked slash quit in December. So the teams are Dolce Gardenia and Rey Cometa, represented the national trios champions, Los Astropusenos, 
dream catchers. Uh, Dolce was around in 2020. Yes, I remember him. I think he was trying to kiss Shingo, if I'm not mistaken. But he's improved a ton since then, so expect him to be over with the crowd. Uh, he's an exotico, so that's a, a flamboyant wrestler and a, a huge technico. We've also got the team of Atlantis Jr. and Ultimo Guerrero, representing Los Guerreros Lagoneros. So Atlantis Jr. is no longer a part of Los Guerreros Lagoneros. However, Templario, who is on the tour, is. Uh, we've got the LIJ team, of course, we know that's Bushi and Titan. And Volador Jr. and his protege, Magia Blanca, are representing Volador's student team of Los Depredadores. Wow, so the, the Predators. So that would be, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's the interfaction tag team tournament with those uh, four teams. So bits about some of the luchadors. So Templario and Atlantis Jr. have been there before, but have got much better as has Dolce Gardenia, as previously mentioned. Captain Susidia is the former Sonic who's briefly repackaged as Susidia before the name was changed for trademark reasons. He's been around a few years, but the last 18 months, CMLL seems to really be pushing him and he's quite good. Hungry young baby face. Uh, Okamori, yes, I'm familiar with Okamori. He's pretty bad, but he has the distinction of being part of the first ever title wins for both Desperado at the Arena Coleso Tag Belts in 2013 and Chi, the World Trios titles with Tanahashi in 2010. However, he is the Japanese liaison in CMLL, so he always gets booked. And interesting, Desperado, usually booked as a Rudo, is booked as a Technico in this tour. So the Rudos are Bullet Club and Just Four Guys. So some standout matches that gig has highlighted for us. So he said Kyoto looks like a fun show overall, but nothing particularly pants down. The Osaka show, so that's two tournament matches, should be uh, good, although he expects Ultimo Guerrero and Atlantis Jr. to have some infighting. The Chiba show, he's convinced that uh, LIJ are going to be taking the tournament, but the final should be good. Uh, also, Desperado, Sobrano, Mystico versus Hechihiro, Dorky and Templario, if not for the Dorky versus Despi interactions. And Hechihiro is a great technical wrestler. The Korakuen show, so night one, we've got Volador Jr. versus Templario and Titan defending his welterweight title against Soberano Jr., who is actually the grandson of Soberano. The son of Soberano is Euphoria, Soberano Jr.'s dad. And in Korakuen Hall night two, we've got Soberano Jr. versus Hechihiro, which should be a really fun young high fly versus nasty technical wrestling veteran. Mystico versus Atlantis Jr. is the battle of the biggest star of the 2000s and current nostalgia draw against the man they are grooming to be the future of the company. And for shits and giggles, Master Watto is playing Rudo in the semi-main event, which might be fun. So thank you very much to Gig for giving us all those helpful notes. Definitely uh, allow me to get a bit more out of those fantastic Mania shows, which I always enjoy watching, you know, something fun to have on in the background. And when those uh, key matches pop up, I'll definitely be uh, looking forward to catching them. And, and, and here's where, where I'm going to gig. Uh, excellent job. Outstanding job. And that's why our discord quite possibly uh, could be the best place. If you're a fan to chat about pro wrestling in general, because of how many people there have their own little pocket. You know, the, there's people that, you know, follow the stardom and people that follow the, the Mexico scene and people that follow the Brit scene and people that follow, you know, from all over the world um, and people on the ground in Japan. It's unbelievable. The, the, the knowledge and um, the fact that they're willing to share is Pretty awesome. So excellent, excellent work. Um, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that it's back. I actually am. Um, I like that sense of normalcy. I like the fact that these guys can get um, what, from what I, I understand, a very nice 
payday. Um, and, you know, it's, it is a nice separation from the New Japan-centric, you know, you, you take a break from that. And and you, you kind of get knee-deep in, into Fantastic Mania around this time. I, it's not my favorite time of year. It's not. Um, I know I've been vocal of that before. But I kind of am looking forward to it this year in the sense of, I'm 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 more glad that it's back than that it's back. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, you know what I mean. I like the idea that okay, we're we're getting it again, uh, and it's and it's and it's here, um, as opposed to oh, I got to sit down and watch this whole entire show. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my feeling on that. That's my take on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, agree with you there. Uh, I, I've got fond memories of the last Fantastic Mania because that was before the world went to shit. So I remember watching that with my lovely cat Scampi and Gati when I was still living in China and having lots of free time whilst uh, we were waiting for the baby to arrive. So yeah, I've got a soft spot for it. So I'll definitely watch it this year. Um, I'm going to save all the New Japan Cup stuff for next week okay. because uh, I want to go to bed yes. so uh let's close it down there's so a redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to throw some money our way that's always very much appreciated discord link you can get if you want uh, want to join send me a direct message on twitter and i'll send you a link at cobra kawaii and pro forward slash super j cast for our t-shirts big thanks to editor dan you can find him on twitter at lousy hero 219 subscribe to the voices of wrestling podcast network for other great shows give us a five snake review on itunes follow us on twitter at the super j Thank you everybody for listening and goodbye. Hello there, my name's Neil David and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North. We don't care. We talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapsEXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there.